Every month, Time of Grace offers a special resource. This month, the resource is a book titled, What is Love? It's a special collaboration between Pastor Mike Novotny and myself. As Christians bearing the name of Christ, it's good for us to learn what it means to love, not just fellow Christians, but the world at large. This book will challenge you, encourage you, uplift you, and give you tangible ways to do just that. You can get a copy of What is Love when you make a financial gift to Time of Grace. Just visit timeofgrace.org. Well, you might have noticed, we are in a new month. March is behind us and we are into April. So the theme for this month is April showers. And I'm going to look at that from several different perspectives. But today's episode is, what if God gave you what you want? What if God showered you with blessings? How would that make a difference in your life? Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. So first I wanna ask you, right now today, if God said, I will give you your heart's desire, what is it you would get? Would you get your house paid off? Would you find true love? Would you have believing children? What is it that you would ask God to give you? I'm just going to give you a second to think about that. Recently, I was preparing my lesson for Bible history, and I came to Genesis chapter 9, and that is what happened after the flood. So just as a little recap, Noah was a man of the soil. He was a farmer. He did what he knew. He planted. He harvested. Um, That was what he did before he entered the ark. He did the same when he exited the ark. And I'll get to what happened after that. But just to recap, uh, the earth was completely and utterly corrupt, totally wicked. And God said to Noah, build an ark. I'm going to save you. I'm going to save your family. We're going to redo this whole earth thing. Noah wasn't perfect. But he walked with God. He took God seriously. He um, knew and understood that what was going on wasn't God's way. He was a righteous man in a very corrupt world. And so he built the ark. He went in the ark. He was in the ark for a year and 10 days, if you can believe it. It rained like crazy for 40 days and 40 nights and then intermittently for four months. And then the rest of the time, the water was receding because the water had gone up over the tops of the mountains Here he was bobbing along in the ark with his animals and his family. It would be a daunting thing. I mean, as I teach this, you know, I just really try to get the kids to understand what it would be like to be in this ark. And, you know, I'm sure they had candlelight of some sort and they had light. But to hear this rain thumping down on the top of your ark and to just be bobbing along, I mean, it would be daunting if a year and 10 days without touching your feet on land, that, that takes faith. That it's not a, an easy thing to get through. So, you know, I have all, I give Noah all sorts of credit. Like what he went through was crazy, right? So what were his prayers when he got out of the ark? I don't know. You know, I can only imagine, and I think we run into a lot of trouble when we put more 
in on things than we are given. We're given that Noah was a man of the earth, right? He was a man of the soil. He was a farmer and he planted a crop and he made wine. He drank and he got sloppy drunk as in was not clothed in his tent. Children came in, saw it. And as I was reading this and preparing to teach it, I just thought, you know, I can only imagine getting outside that ark and praying that God would bless your harvest. That's the first harvest you've had in years. And then, you know, you get the grapes, you make the wine, and you fall into sin. Like, it is so easy for all of us to do. God gives us what we want, what we ask for, and we take it and we turn it into something it wasn't meant to be. And it, it, is there a way to avoid this? Is there a way to make sure that we, we don't go that direction? So right after this account in the Bible is the account of the Tower of Babel, or Babel, whichever you say. Um, the direction of the Lord was to multiply and fill the earth, and the people migrated as far as the plain of Shinar, and they found it to be pleasing. It was a great place to live. They built a city, and they decided they were going to make a name for themselves. They had sustenance. They were able to grow things there. They had security. They built these walls of brick. Um, they had status. They were going to make something big that went to heaven. They had no need for God. They were going to make their name. And what did God do? He said, this is no good. Look what the people are doing when they get together again. It's all about idolatry. He confused their languages and they were pushed away from their dream home. And, you know, if I'm honest, I think we can all say that when we are on our knees praying to God for the strength to go on, you know, we're clinging to God and his word. But when we're in those episodes of things going well, are we still clinging to God and his word? Are we still getting on our knees in prayer? Are we sitting on our bed, on our cushy bed, you know, re reading a little bit and praying cushy prayers. I'm not judging you. I'm not saying the way it always is. I'm just asking a question. I don't know, but it, it just sort of hit me that maybe my prayers need to change. And first of all, I had to examine if I had that Solomon moment. You know, God came to a very young King Solomon and he said, I will give you anything you ask for. What do you want? And Solomon didn't need to think about it. He's like, I need wisdom to rule these people that you've given me. I, I'm not smart enough to do this. What would I ask for if God asked me that question? And part of me is sort of happy that he hasn't because I'm afraid I would goof it up and ask for the wrong thing. And even Solomon, who asked for something amazing and good and pleasing to the Lord, he did not go on to live a godly life. He married all these women who led him into idolatry. You know, it, it's just such a slippery slope. So as I'm thinking about this, contemplating this, I'm working on this podcast and I look up, I kid you not, I was in my dining room. I look up and there's a decal on my dining room wall that is Psalm 37, 4 that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I thought, I got to break this down. So I looked up the passage in my go-to commentary, and it was null and void. There was nothing on that passage. They just clumped it with 
like several other verses and said nothing about it. So they went to the study Bible and they had me go back to, you know, Psalm 4 to explain what the word heart means, that in biblical language, the center of the human spirit and from which springs emotions, thought, motivations, courage, and actions, or the wellspring of life. So he will give you the desires of your, you know, emotions, thoughts, motivations, courage, action. And I thought, well, that's not a ton of help. So I decided to do with this passage what I do when I teach, right? So I went and looked up the word delight. Delight means to please or to take great pleasure in. So delight yourself in the Lord. Take great pleasure in the Lord. What does that look like? Well, I think it means that you want to spend time with God. You want to be with him. And that that happens when we read the word, when we study the word, not just read the word, but break it down like this. When we pray, when we seek God's advice all throughout our day, all throughout the weeks, the months, as we come to things, not assuming that I know what God's will is, or I know what's best, but going to God and saying, you know, I have no idea here. I'm going to need your help. Give me some wisdom. Give me somebody who knows the truth. Show me the right way. And, you know, scripture is pretty good at showing us that this is something that we have to do all of our life. Asa was a king in the Old Testament. He was somewhat good. He had some success being somewhat good, and then he kind of started straying and leaning on himself instead of God and led to pride. And we read in 2 Chronicles 16, this this verse that has stuck with me since a long time ago when I read it, because it says, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, Even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. So he had gotten at a point in his life where he sort of felt like he knew what was going on, right? He had been king for 40 years, and here we are in the 39th year of his reign. And he sort of thought he had it together. He didn't need to seek God. He had important people around him. And, you know, he had success. So he looked to them. That's that's not delighting yourself in the Lord. That's delighting yourself in the world. If you're going to YouTube videos to look up how to do stuff or TikTok or, you know, checking out the latest self-help book, that's not going to the Lord. That's not delighting yourself in the Lord. We see the same thing happening with Joshua and the Gibeonite deception. If it's been a while since you've read about that, it's in Joshua chapter 9. I would definitely tell you to go check it out. I've talked about it before, so I'm not going to go through the whole entire scenario right now. But bottom line, these Gibeonites came to Joshua. They wanted to make a treaty with him. They deceived him into thinking they were from a very far away land, which was false. They were people in the land of Canaan. And we're told just this one little verse, the Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. Are you seeking God? Are you seeking his wisdom and his guidance in your life? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. You know what that means? That means I'm in God's word because it is going to guide my way. And how often don't you see that happening? I see that all the way, all the time. I am in the word daily, unless 
something gets the best of me and I'm not. But I, I try to always be in the Word in the morning. I read either from the Psalms or the Proverbs. At night, I make my way through the Bible, wherever that is, and it is uncanny how often what I read speaks directly to what is going on in my life. It's not uncanny because it's God. That's how he works. You go to his word and he guides you and he gives you direction and he shows you the right way. He shows you how to feel about things. But so often we don't seek him. We just seek our own thoughts or we seek worldly wisdom or we go to the latest talk show to find out how we're supposed to feel. That's not seeking God and that's not taking delight in him. And here's the thing. When you seek God in his ways, your will and your desires are going to align with God and his desires. You're going to start thinking like God does because you're reading his word and it is just going into you. It is becoming who you are. So you're going to notice and you're going to want to serve the least of these. You are going to want God's word to spread to the ends of the earth because you want people in heaven. You want to store up your treasure in heaven. And you aren't going to care about your fame or your glory because you know that you are grass and the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. So you see, when you delight yourself in the Lord, it's an easy thing for God to give you the desires of your heart. Because the desires of your heart are the desires of his heart. It's not to say we're not going to mess it up. Again, go back to the kings. I think about this very, very often. Even the good kings messed this up. David and Bathsheba. I mean, David was a man who walked with God. He had such integrity until he didn't. Until he got lazy and he let things go and then he fell into sin. Solomon, Hezekiah, Hezekiah was this amazing king. And then he became proud. I mean, so many of the people who God blessed and gave amazing blessings to, they mess it up. So what's the takeaway? Delight yourself in the Lord. Take your great pleasure in him, in his ways, in his will. Surround yourself with godly people. You know, Solomon's son, when he took over, he wasn't quite sure what to do. And so he sought the guidance of those who were around him, his friends. But he also sought the guidance of the elders, the older people who had wisdom. And in the end, he rejected the wisdom of the older people, which would have been the better thing to do. If we're going to do this well. We are going to need to surround ourselves with godly people who are not afraid to say, "Um, I think you're a little off base. I think this is getting to your head. I think you need to take a step back. Let's pray. What do you think God would have us do in this situation? You will never go wrong when you are surrounded by those people and you listen to them. You'll go wrong if you're surrounded by those people and you ignore them. Easy enough to do. The people in Jeremiah's day kept asking Jeremiah what they should do. And every time he told them, they were like, yeah, we don't want to do that. 
what was the point? What is the point of seeking out a man who walks with God if you're not going to listen to him? So maybe we start with praying for humility and praying for good friends around us who are so grounded in the word that we can trust what they're telling us to do and that we know that part of what they're going to tell us to do is hold up. We need to stop right now and we need to seek God. But I think there's another part of this too. I think it's so important that we recognize that we're self-aware enough to know that our sinful nature always wants to tie us to this world. Always, always, always. We are going to be fighting against wanting things from this world and wanting the things of God. Look at Moses. Oh, he was a mighty man of God. He was used so much by God, not because he was mighty, but because he was so weak that He allowed God to work through him. He desperately, desperately wanted to go to the promised land. And that was the one thing that God said, no way, not going to happen. We're not doing that. This is where it ends. And God had said yes to so many other things. God did so many miracles through Moses. He brought the people food. He allowed them to cross the river, the sea, onto dry land. I mean, he provided water in the desert so many times. He had worked miracles and mightily through Moses. But that didn't mean that God was going to give him everything. He allowed Moses to see it from afar. And when you read the New Testament, there Moses was on the Mount of Transfiguration in the Promised Land coming down from heaven where he was to stand on that mountain for a couple of minutes. But we have to remember, as godly as we may be, sometimes our human will, our human nature, causes us to ask for some silly earthly things. And sometimes God is going to say, nope, that's not going to serve me well. And then we just have to accept God's word and God's no and say, God, you have done so many other things for me and you have walked with me and you have helped me and you have strengthened me. So when you say no to me, then like an obedient child who trusts their parents, I'm going to say, okay, I trust you. This is not the way it's going to go. It's not going to go my way. It's going to go your way. And I think so many times this plays out as we get older. I think all of us have this ideal, right? We want to be super fit, have our memory intact, drop over dead, or fall asleep one night and wake up in heaven, and and there you go. But it might glorify God more to have us in the nursing home so that we can bring others to know him and that we can encourage other people in their faith. It might bring God more glory for us to be in the cancer ward with other people who are going through debilitating things so that we can again be pointing them to God. And our human nature says, I don't want this, God. This isn't where I want to be. And we just at that point have to hand our desires over to God and say, make my desires, what your desires are, Lord. Help me to see how to serve you best here 
because I can't see the forest through the trees. All I can see is cancer or all I can see is a nursing home and this is never what I wanted. But Lord, I'm willing to serve. I wanna serve. I want my life to totally be service to you, whatever that means. So use me, Lord. Use me until the day I take my last breath and then take me to heaven, however it is that you see fit, however it is that I can bring the most glory to you. And I think when we approach this like that, then we're gonna be honoring God. So what if God gave you what you want? Well, I hope that we would use whatever God gives us to serve him well. That's the prayer. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. If you're a faithful listener, would you rate and review Little Things? They're so much vying for time and attention, and reviews and ratings really do make a difference as to what people see. Let me thank you in advance. And don't hesitate to reach out. If you have a suggestion, I am so happy to hear from you. Thanks for being here.